my Hi, my name is Lisa Sharkey. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself just before I pay tell attention. You Turn the light, dim really the light. Really, the pay main attention. story of how how I was delivered from from the gates of hell. And uh, but I want to tell you just from the beginning. Um, I grew up in church. I grew up with both parents in the home. I have three other siblings. And we were always at church, and I grew up that way, just always at church. I asked Jesus into my heart when I was six years old. And um, uh, as I was going through uh, being in school and stuff, I was very athletic. Um, I got really good grades. I had a really bright future. Something happened to me, though, when I was six years old. I was in... Uh, I was at school and I had some some boys take advantage of me and molest me and stuff while I was at recess on the playground. And that seemed to affect me so much more than I realized. I thought, you know, as a kid, you can just get over it. But when, as an adult, it was kind of like, as I started getting older, I started getting so, not realizing, but I was terrified of men, terrified of men. and. I started having like attraction towards women and because I just I'm just very like always been a very loving person and I just always was searching for love and so I lived I started living my life um, finding myself attracted to women and as I, I went to college I uh, had a heartbreak and I ended up moving to Missouri because I'm from Albuquerque it was when I moved to Missouri is when I decided that I was never going to go to church again. Um, I decided that I didn't want anything to do with religion anymore. And I said, Jesus, I'm not turning my back on you. I just hate Christians and I don't want anything to do with church. And I want to find my, my identity in the world. The homosexuality, being in, the, being in the community whenever I was in it, and I'm speaking for myself, my what what I went through. It led me to alcohol because I loved going to the bars. At first it was fun and everything, but that's when, that's when the devil, you know, traps me. Um, I just was so, was so ashamed of who I was. And the Christians has made it so much worse on the homosexuality community because, because they would, they would flash signs where you're waiting in line and F-A-G-S, they're going to hell, and you know, just, they were so brutal to us. It just grew, it just grew, that the community I was in, they, we hated, I didn't, I hated Christians, I didn't hate God, but I hated Christians, because Christians were so judgmental. So, it got to where alcohol was just not good enough, uh, the more I started feeling, the more the guilt I was feeling, the the alcohol wasn't was wasn't strong enough, and um, as I was drinking too, bad things were happening. I have had numerous sexual assaults, being passed out, drunk. So then, the more the each time I be sexually assaulted, it was like um, would lead me to drink more and more and more, and then drink, alcohol wasn't enough, and so that's when I ended up starting I started started drugs, started pills. Uh, I started like from Xanax, uh, all these, that led to cocaine, it led to, to meth, so eventually it led to heroin. So there was one night, and it was uh, in, back in March in 2017, and I was with who I thought was, that was my friend, it was a drug buddy. Uh, she was, 
she was a very bad heroin addict and I, I was just dabbling into it and she uh, she gave me a, a shot in my arm. It was that night when I like realized the um, just how heavy I was, just how deep I was, just um, what a, how dark I was, what a dark place it was that I was in. And it wasn't until I was being, I after she did it, that all of a sudden I was woken up with water splashing on my face. Had I guess apparently I was on the on the kitchen floor. I, I woke up with her with her throwing water on me, and after the you know she was slapping me, and I woke up and I just remember her like, "You're blue, you're blue," you know, and I was like, "Oh my gosh," you know, and she's like, "You have to get out of here, get out of here," and so I said. I said, I need an ambulance. No, you gotta get out of here. So her and a friend tried to, to drag me down the street and I said, I won't go. And I was trying to fight until you call an ambulance, I won't go. And then I made sure that someone was on the phone with the ambulance. And then as they dragged my body down the worst street in Springfield, Missouri, they dumped my body like I was a bag of trash. Then they stripped me of everything that they wanted off of my body. It was then that I cried out and I said, Jesus, help me. And then all of a sudden, like, I closed my eyes. And it was like the dark, like all of a sudden I closed my eyes. All of a sudden my eyes got like really dark. It's just like blacker than anything we've ever seen on earth. All of a sudden I felt like I was just falling. And I, I felt a little, I felt like a little bit of a chill like a little bit of chill and I don't, I, and I was falling. I felt so fearful. It was so black. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I am feeling it more. I'm feeling more, more, no, more scared than I've ever felt in my life. I just started falling and falling and falling into like darkness as it, as it started to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And then all of a sudden, like, it was like I landed like a quicksand. All of a sudden, my eyes, I felt like my eyes like start adjusting like when you're when you're trying to wake up, except reality felt more real than I've ever, ever felt in my life. So the first thing I did was I looked up and when I looked up, I thought I was looking at a sky, but it was pure, pure darkness, pure black. It literally, it literally hurt your senses. It felt like fiery darts, like literally coming in my eyes, fiery darts hitting all my senses, all my pores, every fiber of my being. Like it literally hurt so bad just looking in the darkness. And I was, when I landed, I started looking and I, and I was like, realized I was like in like a pit, like a cave. And it was like, this cave was just fear. That fear instantly was like, no fear I've ever felt before. It was like, there was no presence of God there. My whole life, I, I used to struggle with anxiety and panic attacks. The worst panic attack that I've ever had on earth, I would times it by a billion and it's constant. It's constant, it's constant, constant. The fear is constant. The hopelessness, the hopelessness, the feeling of, oh my gosh, you just, you know, you're never, ever, 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 ever gonna get out. You are stuck. 
Like you are never gonna get out. When I started focusing on where I was and I felt like I was about two football fields away and I still felt like an ant to when I looked up and I saw black gates, which looked like they had been like on fire. So they were like a charcoal and they were so, oh, the evil. Oh, the evil, it's so hard to talk about. Talking about this experience is really hard whenever, because I've, I've, I've struggled with PTSD from it and this is why I'm really speaking about it now and I'm really trying to keep it together. It's really hard to explain it because you you, you don't realize just how how, how, how torturous it, how, I mean, you just, it's just torture. And not having the presence of God, you know, we have the presence of, even if you don't have God in your life, you know, even if you don't even believe in God, at least we have him on earth, you know, you, when it's such so different when you're, when you're, you know, you're there. It was, it looked like it was just so big and it was decrepit and, and like each, each end, like it would go like that and each end would have spikes. It was like, I didn't have to move my head to look. My soul was so much more sensitive because right now, you know, the, the human canvas is, you know, what's covering our soul. And the thing is, is when I was down there, my soul felt so much more sensitive. And it was from there that um, I looked through, it was like I could, I didn't walk towards the gates. It was, but I could see through the gates. It was like a lake, it was like a lake of fire, but it was like a, it was like a big pit, a big, huge pit of, of love like fire. However, it was like, I couldn't see the flames. I just saw the shimmering light because the shimmering light looked as if like the pit was so deep that you, you couldn't see the flames. It was just, I had no idea how, how deep the, how deep it would be. Even if you don't even believe in God, your soul will know. Your soul will know that you're in hell. And I was in hell. It was then I started looking. I started looking down because I was stuck. I thought I felt like I was in quicksand. So I started looking around and I I started noticing like it was like waves of like uh, like clay. It was like pink, like a salmon colored clay. I felt like I was in like the core of the earth or something because I felt like I there was just absolutely no way you could get out. And as, as on top of the fear, on top of the hopelessness, on top of feeling alone, on top of feeling stuck, my mind all of a sudden started replaying, I started replaying my life. I replaying every sin that I have done. You relive it constantly and it's so loud. You relive the feelings, your feelings. And the one that stuck in my mind the most was my mama. <laughs> That's why I call her my mom. She's my mama. And I could, my mama is, a, she's a prayer warrior. And uh, she's been praying for me all these years to get out of this lifestyle and to get out away from drugs. And it was like, when I was in hell, I could hear her, oh, Lisa, I wish you would listen and just come back to Jesus. And that's when all of a sudden I said, I wish I would have listened. And all of a sudden my body set on fire, my soul set on fire. And um, when my soul set on fire, it was so, much hotter because I used to have I used to have problems like cutting and burning myself because I hate myself. I know like I know burns and stuff and there is nothing like your soul being on fire. 
it hurts so bad. Like you're just, it's, it's not, it can't even explain it. You can't even explain it. There is no way to explain the torture. Like I could hear myself screaming in my head. Oh, the thoughts were like, like if you put some headphones on or whatever in your, in your, in your ears and you were to like scream as loud as you can, it's like a billion times louder than that is what your thoughts. You're, you're, you're alone in your thoughts. You're alone in your sins. It's replaying over and over on top of fear, on top of hopelessness, on top of fire hotter than you can ever imagine. I don't, I wouldn't wish hell on my worst enemy. And that's what I'm trying. That's the whole reason why I'm trying to tell this world. <laughs> is because there is a truly hell and it's so horrible and I don't want anyone to go if you don't believe in God oh please ask Jesus into your heart and save you if you do know God Oh, repent right now, ask for forgiveness. You never know when you're gonna die. You never know when Jesus is gonna come. You never know. And it was then that it got hotter and hotter and hotter. And I, I like my teeth were just gnashing. They were gnashing and I could feel like my teeth just breaking over and over. And your, your jaw's locked and you're screaming in your mind. There's no water. There's no water. You're, you feel, you feel as if your mouth is dry or your soul's dry. Your soul's so dry. If only I just had a drop of water. If only I just have a drop of water on my tongue, I would feel some kind of relief. It was then that all of a sudden the, scre the screaming continued. It's just constant crying, constant misery. You think about the time you cry, like the worst pain you've ever felt in your heart, like, like emotional pain. You're crying and heaving a billion times worse. And when I say a billion times worse, I really mean it's a billion times worse than any negative thing. Every negative thing you've ever felt in your whole life, you will feel it, feel in hell and you will feel it a billion times, and you will feel it forever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. As I was screaming, as I was gnashing my teeth, as I was wishing, you know, the fear, the hope, hopelessness, everything, all of a sudden, I was just like, Jesus, 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 help me, Jesus. Jesus, save me. As I cried out to Jesus, immediately I was ripped from those flames and all of a sudden I was in an ambulance, like still felt on fire. And I was screaming in the ambulance. I looked and I saw a, a, a paramedic. Didn't really know where I was at or what was going on. I was very confused, but I saw the kindness in her eyes and realized all of a sudden like, wait a minute, I'm not in hell anymore. <laughs> she was like, you, she was like, you're not on fire. She was like, you're not, you're not on fire. And she was like, you're okay, honey. And I was like, please, please, please. I don't want to go back there. Jesus, please don't let me go back there. Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I don't want to go back there. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The look on her face, if, if I could have like, if I could really like, it was like a, like the, her eyes are really big. And it was kind of like, she's just staring at me like, <laughs> Like, I don't know if she's ever seen anything like that before, but the reason, the reason why, you know, I've got to tell you, the reason why I am speaking about my testimony is because I am a living, walking, breathing testimony of God's amazing grace, redemption. He has delivered me. Um, 
completely of drugs and alcohol for over two years now. After this happened in 2017, I was like, never did heroin again. But it was, I was still shedding off one by one the drugs because I had been on, I was taking so many drugs, each letting down, the Lord was helping me with each drug, putting down each drug. So it was like a, it's like a, you know, it was a transformation. It was like, you know, I feel the Holy Spirit, you know, just, okay, it's time to put that away. And I'm like, oh, what do you know I want? No, it's time to put it away. Okay. And you love, you love Jesus so much for what he did for you that you just, um, you just want, you just want to do whatever you can for him. So you're like, okay, Jesus, I will. <laughs> I have a relationship today with Jesus Christ. You know, I didn't transform overnight after that experience. Um, I had lots of, I had a lot of near death experiences and, um, and the Lord saved me, he saved me from it all. And as far as the, the the Lord has delivered me, like like literally take away all same sex attraction, like desires away since 2017. It was as if he was just, I was shedding off the, the, the old, the old me, like a cocoon and you're, you know, the Lord's, you know, working on me and then you eventually come out like a butterfly. That's, that's how the Lord works. That's how Jesus works. And I've come here not to, not, not to do anything except for glorify the name of Jesus. You're never too far deep. You're never too far deep. I started, I was trying to get off of meth and I was, I was an IV, I was an IV addict of meth and it took me uh, it took me a year I overdose and that was when I was like God was like this is it you do, you stop now or else that's when I was like okay Lord I need you to help me and he has you know and just because uh, you know I've got good days I've got bad days nobody's too forgotten as long as you have breath and you're in, in you right now you're not watching this just by chance you're watching this either because because the Lord, you know, has guided you to this, either you're living in, in a lifestyle that you don't want to be in. God delivered me from it. I, I don't have any desires for women at all. To me, they they all are like sisters, you know, it's a sisterly love. It's completely different. At one point I was like, okay, I, I, I don't like women anymore. It's like, it's gross, but I hated men. But the Lord slowly started healing my heart from all the all the the sexual abuse and molestation, from my hatred towards men. And then it was like slowly, I started like my eyes started kind of like, ooh, that guy's cute. Whoa, how, oh my goodness, you know, I'm not used to that. <laughs> so it was kind of like it was it was it's been it's been an amazing journey with Jesus. And if there's any family that are watching this, I just want you to know. That if you have any family that are, that are on drugs or are in this in the lifestyle that I've lived at all, that there's there's hope. If if you're praying, if you're a mom, if you're whatever it is, if it, brother, sister, my dad, you're and you're you're my my grandma. Um, I had a praying grandma. All those prayers have worked. All those prayers worked. I mean, it was I was at the gates of hell. I'm able. Over four and a half years, I'm able to I'm able to finally speak about it. It's kind of hard to go back there once you've been um, d delivered and you don't have that fear anymore because you know when you ask Jesus into your heart and you ask for His forgiveness and you just confess Him Lord in your life. Um, it's it's just that simple, you know. It's just that simple. For God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son, 
which is Jesus. Now, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Just Jesus saves me. Jesus saves me. Somebody say, praise God. I went through literally hell. Say, God is good. That's close. That's close. But let's don't talk about her tonight. Let's talk about not only you, but the people you know. I'm trying, I'm, 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 on a, I'm on a roll now trying to get you to realize that you have an ability to share Jesus. And I want you to realize that, yes, you are going to heaven. Yes, you're born again. But the people around you are not, and that is not okay. Is it? It's not okay. So I want to talk a little bit about our walk with God. Now, now let's start off with what she said. Grew up in church. Don't go quiet on me. Grew up in church. Knows all about Jesus. Let me tell you something. Just because you grow up in church and you know who he is, there, there is no get out of hell card you get from walking in those doors. There's a get out of hell card when you accept Jesus as Lord and he gives you the power to live right. It's not okay to live wrong. Now, had it not been for her mother, I'm going to say this, her mother's prayers, and she talked about that, how her mother would pray and pray and pray. I do not believe she would have come out of hell had not her mother put a request in for their daughter and stayed on it. I don't believe I'd be here if it wasn't for my mother. I don't believe that many of you would be here if someone hadn't prayed for you and cared about you. Now, let's talk about this because I want to go someplace tonight with you that I don't normally go. We're going to get into the book of Ecclesiastes. At the end of your life, when you turn 70, 80, nothing means anything except your walk with God. You're going to find that out. You're going to find out if your kids aren't right with God, you can't just run around pretending. Don't pretend anymore. Well, the Lord has it. Leave that denominational mess in the last church and Get the, your Bible out and understand you've got authority over all the work of the enemy. The prayers of a righteous man and woman avail much. And you need to pray your family back to Jesus. I don't mean back to I believe in Jesus and do what they want to. I mean pray them back to where he is number one again or they're not going to heaven. Let's quit playing. Let's quit pretending everybody's saved. They're not. This is not a game. God is not sending anybody to hell. But he's also not violating your will at all. And our prayers are to wake people up to the reality. Now, what I'm going to show you, we're going to start off with two kinds of people. Are y'all okay with me preaching like this? Because I'm going to anyway. 
I am aware every day of my life. I, I am aware that every time I walk by somebody in 7-Eleven, they may not be saved. Sometimes I'll stop and go, Father, send somebody across to help that guy right there. I, I don't know whether he knows you or not in Jesus' name. Glory be to God. I'm, I'm so aware of eternity. This, your life on earth is, that's it. I was talking to Kenny today. I'm 70, and Melissa and I got married a week ago. Anybody older know exactly what I just said. I told Kenny today, I said, remember when we were in the shopping center last month? Where did, where did what, 40? Wh- woo! I went, I think the next five are going to go. Woo! So I want to know, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Am I making an impact? Why? Why am I here? Why, why am I here? Um... Go to, go to 2 Corinthians 5.17, please. Get excited or I'm going to keep you here all night in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I, I want to fire you up. I, I want to get you out of a religious stupor. 80% of the people in America are not born again. 80% of the Christians are offended and not living for God. The number of young people in church today have diminished greatly. The reason for that is bad parenting. You teach them the fear of God and right or wrong, they will not learn. You're going to have to then turn them over to society and hope like her they get out of hell right as they're going in. You, it, it, you, you spank them or society will. Teach them right from wrong. Teach them the fear of God above all else. It is your responsibility. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Are you all ready? We get a little fired up, but it's all right. If anyone's in Christ, he's a brand new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything's become new. All of these things are of God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and gave us, all Christians, every born-again Christian on the planet, a ministry of reconciliation. It is why you're here. 2%, 2% of evangelicals have led someone to the Lord. Two, two. That's called rebellion. It's also called a get out of hell free card. Someone handed you in a church. Is he Lord? Justin was telling me today, is he in the room or is he next door? Went off to buy some, someone gave him some equipment, led two people to Jesus out buying equipment today. I'm going, he's a pastor. Stop. No, that is not why he's leading people to the Lord. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. If you're not a fisher of men, I will tell you straight up, you are not following God. At least get your kids born again. Now, let me tell you something. They're not going to stay in church because of preaching. 
They're going to stay in church because you taught them a reverence for God. I don't have an anointing to entertain you till you're 80. After you've been in this church a year, you've heard everything I know. At some point, that, that knowledge has to turn into a relationship that turns into fellowship, that turns into you loving the world as much as God does. That's love. I don't mean that everybody's going to get saved that you meet and everybody's, I don't mean that. We're going to talk about people you meet right now. We're going to talk about the ones you talked to and they went no. We're going to talk about them. And I don't want you to feel like if you're not out struggling over everybody going to hell that somehow or another you're a bad person. No. But, but don't go the other way either that I don't have to do anything because I've got to get out of hell card. So go with me to Luke. Now you see, you can be a soul winner and be mean. And I'm not talking about you being mean. Boy, I'm, I, I'm preaching. Add another 10 minutes to the sermon tonight. I'm not... Okay, Luke 18. Go to Luke 18. Even Jesus was not able to help everybody. And you aren't either. But it's no excuse for you not to at least be willing and share the gospel. Some of y'all know people, you've known them for years and years and years and years and years. And if they're not born again, shame on you. Shame on you. They're on the way to hell and you're going, oh, help them, Jesus. He is not your servant. You're his. Everywhere I've ever worked, before I pastored, people got born again. Everywhere I've ever placed my feet, people have gotten born again at where I work. Why? Because I'm a Christian. Christians make Christians. That's what Christians do. Going all the world. He's not talking to a Benny Hinn. He's not talking to you going to India. He's talking about you going to your world. You going to your world. You're in a spot. God's got you around heathen on, on purpose. And, and they're yours. Okay. Luke 18. He spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I want to thank you. I'm not like other people, extortioners, undressed adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I go to Word of Life Church. I pay tithes. I give all I possess. Then the tax collector, standing off, wouldn't so much as raise his eyes to heaven, beat his breast, said, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm telling you, that man went down to his house righteous rather than the other one. For everybody who exhausts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. There's two kinds of people you're going to meet on the earth. You're going to find certain people who are self-righteous and they think that they don't need God, they can do this. That is why they're rejecting what you're saying. Now, hold on a minute. They shall know the truth and the truth will set them free. But you can't give someone truth if you're afraid of rejection. Oh, they won't like me. Well, then let them go to hell then. Wrong attitude. That's not good, guys. That's not good. I don't mean that you need to beat them up. Hey, where well, you going to hell, Jack? What's wrong with you? Chit right with God. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about the fact that you and I live in a world around us and there's people that are wrong and they're doing things wrong and homosexuality is normal now and, 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 and drug abuse. I'm telling you the society is crazy as H. And you know why? The church is dead, silent, quiet about it all. And by God, we, don't want, we want to walk in love toward it. That is not love. That is not love. There's people around you right now, they're struggling. They hurt. They hurt. This girl was hurting. Some roommate walking in and going, that woman praying, send someone to my daughter. Send someone that would love her and help her and help her. Listen, it would not have been easy to meet her and to help her with her. But she grew up in church and she knew right from wrong. But see, we don't want to mess with people, no, especially if they're gay. God, you're a crazy girl. It's like I was telling last week about Jan. Well, she's Italian, God. She's hothead. I don't want to mess. She's just, I mean, she doesn't know how to talk. She screams. And I avoided her. God said, until she gets saved. I'm going, that's not right. Y'all heard me tell the story. You have people like that with you. So there's two kinds of people. There's, there's people that are easy to get saved. I mean, they, they, you, you walk up to them and you're talking to them and, and, they, and you start talking about the Lord and they go, help me. I, 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 know, I know I'm not right. They're easy. Those are the ones we lead to the Lord. We go, oh, that was fun. That was fun. That was fun. It's those other people. Oh, God, are they difficult. But God so loved the world. And I want you to start getting ready for the ones that are self-righteous and they think, well, I got money. That, that don't mean a thing in the world. I got looks. That don't mean a thing in the world. Hollywood is full of the most insecure, miserable, lonely people on God's green earth. The football industry, 32 million a year. And their own drugs, they're miserable. And we're following them like they're God. And they're, and they're not. People around you, everywhere around you, they are hungry. They want, they would love some peace. They would love some joy. I would just love some joy. And there's only one way to get it. And you mentioned Jesus, they have already predetermined that you're talking religion to them. Let me, let me stop right now and defend myself. I want to pastor the most unreligious, stinking church in a popka. I don't want any of the religion in here. I want you to be normal heathens growing in God. We have people walking in here all the time saying, you don't want me in your church. I went, let me tell you something. I'd rather have you than the other ones. I mean, you're more, at least, you, at least you're not running around pretending like you're, never mind. When I met Zach and Amber, they were nuts. They, they were, they were slapped. They'd come to service and they'd go out and smoke dope in the parking lot. And then they'd come back. And I'm thinking, God Almighty, their mom was over there praying for them. But see, I just fell in love with them because I already knew there was a heart hunger and a absolute stupid head. And I knew that God was on them and that they needed grace and mercy and a little slapping around. They just needed somebody to believe in them. Now, Amber told me one time that she says, I'm a tough woman. And I said, I said, no, you're not. 
You're a new creation, and you just don't know who you are. She looked at me like, I, you're crazy. And I said, I believe in you. She's like, well, I'm doing good. So, 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 so. Romans, um, wow, I don't know why I wrote that down. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I don't want to get it. I don't want to go down there. Ro, Romans 1, go to Romans 1. Go, please, go to Romans 1. Father God, help, him, help us get out of here by midnight. Amen. Some people say, I want a move of God. Yeah, in an hour. <laughs> you ain't having a move of God in one hour. It takes me a whole hour just to get you wanting to be in church. Romans 1. Let's look at Romans 1. I am not ashamed, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God of salvation to everyone who believes, also the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, written to just live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known by God is manifested. They know it. Stop trying to prove the Bible's true. They don't need you to tell them. They already know it's true. So the number one, quit trying to prove the Bible's real and we didn't come from monkeys. Good God, they know it. When they look at you and say, you stole my marijuana, where did you learn about stealing? When did stealing marijuana become wrong in your culture? Are you moral? Yeah, you were looking at my girlfriend. That's adultery. You told me a lie. Where did don't lie, don't steal, don't come from in everybody you meet? Even the people in Africa that have never been to church and never met, they, they all know it's wrong. Where did it come from? Quit running around trying to convince people there's a God. They know there's a God. They just never met a real Christian before. They just ain't never met nobody that knows him yet. Until they meet you. I'll put my faith in you right now. So the number one thing is that they all know there's a God. Number two, John 3.16. Go to John 3.16. Let's go over there. Glory to God. I'm excited. I don't know how I got so fired up. I guess it just, I don't know. I'll get over it after I die. You know what? I've already convinced that I am going to go on vacation after I die. God's going to let me take a break. Until then, he's got work for me to do. John 3, 16. The, the scripture the Baptist put in. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him, shall not pass, have everlasting life. How long was that girl going to live? Forever. Yeah. He's not talking here about you believe in Jesus, you live forever. He's talking about if Jesus is Lord, you have the life of God on the inside of you and you live together forever in the presence of God. But if you don't know Jesus and you're walking with Jesus, you're not living forever with him. Okay? All right. For God did not send his son in the world to damn the world. The world through him might be saved. Condemned. He did not send the world. He did not come to point. We read that in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. He, he, didn't come to dance. he didn't come to judge you. He didn't come to point his finger at you. He, he's trying to get you to understand that he, he's a merciful, he's a good God. He's a good God. He, he loves you. He wants you to make it. But now let's read it. He who believes in him is not damned. I'm not talking about mental assent to God. I'm not talking about you prayed a prayer and pushed a button and now you're a Christian. I'm talking about the ones of you that repented. See, 
He came to set you free from sin. That means repent of it, turn from it, and stop it. Now, now, stop the drugs, you know that. Stop the adultery, you know that. Stop the lying, you know that. Stop the rebellion. Stop the stubborn. Stop it. Quit ignoring the Bible as though it was optional. Boy, am I starting to sound like a church of God preacher about them? All right, that's all right. God didn't send us in the world to damn the world. He who believes in him is not damned. He that does not believe is damned already. Damnation came on every man at the cross. In Christ, not in Christ. You've accepted Jesus. Now listen, she grew up in church. She knew about Jesus. But faith changed. Listen, when you believe, he said repent and come to Jesus. He didn't say come to Jesus. He said repent and come to Jesus. All right, all right, I'm... Okay, okay, let me, I got to give you scripture because you're looking at me like a dog in a new bowl. Go to, go to Acts 2.38. Just pop it on the screen. I'm just going to read it off to Acts 2.38. We're going to get back over to John 3.16 in a minute. You're going to have to move quicker than that. I'm going to come back there and get. Peter said on them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do what? Repent means make a decision that Jesus is now Lord. That means Jesus is the boss. That means you're not. He is a king and he is the king. And he's smarter than you are. I cannot entertain you and keep you in the Bible or church. You have to make a decision. Now let me explain something to you. You come here long enough. Somebody will tick you off. And didn't get in my way. They hurt my feelings. Welcome to the world, sweetie. The reason you stay is you love the Lord. And you have to love him more than the goofy people who go to this church. Including that guy up there. If you expect me to be perfect, you, you need to talk to Lisa. He never said follow Daryl. I, I don't have a book of Daryl. There's no book of Daryl in the Bible. My job is to teach you the word. My job is not to make sure you do it. Because I ain't going home with you and hold your hand. And the devil will come. And he will find out whether you believe the Bible or not. And you say, I'm going through trouble. What in the world do you think for? Why do you think he gave you the Holy Ghost so you could overcome? Well, if you went back to living in sin, it's obvious you ain't overcoming. Shonda. Let's look at one more. Repentance. Um, Acts 26, 20. Look at it. You got to move quicker than that. But declared first those of Damascus. Jerusalem, through all the region of Judea and the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and even actually do works to show people you're saved. That's Paul's gospel. What gospel did you believe? Quit taking the the Bible and every church picks their favorite scriptures. 
even charismatics. Well, those Baptists, they don't believe in tongues, and they don't believe in healing. Yeah, and you don't believe in living right. And you don't believe in submission or the fear of God. We all have our scriptures. We read over the top of that one. You know why? We're scared to death God's going to give you something to do you don't want to do. He's liable to take my cookies and crumble them. Well, honey, I'm going to tell you, your cookies need crumbling. All the screws up you've made up until now, by the time you get my age, you look back and go, wish I'd obeyed God. Let me talk to you about stupid mistakes. Well, I got forgiven, and you're still eating it. The mistake had ramifications, and it's still with you. Teach your kids not to wait till they're 70 to get right with God. I'm going to sow my wild oats. What do you think is going to happen when those wild oats come up? And three wives later. And $100,000 to each one of them. What, what, do you, what part of the, everything you do wrong that's not under the blood, you will pay for it. Everything. That's a heavy, heavy statement. You and I don't, you know why I don't worry about politics? God's got, he's writing it all down. Ain't nobody getting away with murder. They're not getting away with nothing. And neither are you. Neither am I. I, I'm a little, I am a little bit scared of God. I'm just going to tell you all that. You hang around him long enough, there will be a certain amount of don't. We, we have a police officer here tonight. I, I pick on her all the time, but I have to. I thank God we have police officers. I do. I'm going to tell you something. Everybody in this room would not obey the law except for a few. There's some of y'all drive slow. I don't care what, you're just creeps. 35 and a 55, y'all aren't even, there's something wrong. In the left lane, it's just. But I'm going to tell you why America, because we all understand there's a ramification for wrong. And I'm going to tell you something about police officers. They don't want to give you tickets. They would and I can, I can tell you that most of them are like, don't do that. I don't want to spend an hour writing all. They got a report to write after. And they want to go home, and they're like, please. And they have to do their job. They have to. And they don't want to be hard. They don't. But after they've seen Mr. Jones go by 50 and a 35, three weeks in a row, and they've already given him two warning tickets, you're not going to get another warning ticket. You're, Tanya, am I right? I'm sorry. And you think God is just going to keep, you think God's just going to keep giving you warning, taking warning. He's not. There's a word we've thrown out. It's the word judgment. I'm going to tell you the stupidest sign you'll ever see in your life. On the side of I-4, God's not angry. 
I don't care whether Tanya's mad or not. If I'm doing 70 and a 35, she doesn't have to be mad to write me a share revenue coupon. Whether God is mad or not has nothing to do with it. But some preacher decided to put it up there hoping that you'd go, he's no longer angry. What does that mean? That, it, that there is a live like hell grace period? Not in America. Not in the world. Now, what does it mean, condemnation? Condemnation means the police come and get you, and they take you and, and put you in an electric chair. That's damnation. But it doesn't mean they won't give you a ticket. It doesn't mean they won't take your license away for a while and make you ride a bicycle. We've gotten this whole thing, God doesn't judge anymore. I, I don't know what you've been smoking. God judges because he loves you enough to stop you before you get too stupid. I don't know why God allowed that to happen to me. Because he loves you. Remember the story of Brother Hagin falling and cracking his elbow and turning it into splinters? And Jesus walked in the hospital room and said, you ought to be, don't you be mad at me, I let that happen. You ought to be glad I let that happen because you were disobeying me and you would be dead at 55 and I'm telling you I told you to do something and you're not doing it and he was upset. God's not angry. Well, Jesus was. <laughs> Anybody in here ever felt the of God? Oh, oh, I have. Lisa, don't scare me. Betty Mae, don't scare me. God scares me. <laughs> I'm preaching better than y'all, amen. And I, well, we're, every once in a while, we just need to have a come to Jesus day, don't we? Okay. Um, where was I? Uh, and go to Romans 3 9. Go to Romans 3 9. Every person not born again is a heathen. There's no such thing as a partially good sinner. Are you, okay, okay, li, now listen to me, because people come along to me and they, they talk about, and especially eth, ethnics, you're going to battle between white and black and Spanish, all sinned. All whites, all blacks, all Puerto Ricans are wicked as hell. All. Until they meet Jesus. That is, that'll get me thrown out of churches. Now, a matter of fact, on Sunday morning, it would, well, I would have had people get it right then and just leave. Because you're more in love with your ethnic than you are Jesus. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? I, I'm tired of hearing that it's an ethnic problem. It's not skin, it's sin. There are bad people in Russia. We have a lady right here, back here. She's Russian. She's sweet, sweet, sweet Russian. She's not Putin. So let's don't say, the Russians, da, da, da. No, there's bad Russians. 
and there's good Russians. Am I right? Am I right? There are good Russians. There's good Chinese. Oh, so see the good Chinese. There is good Iranians and Iraqians and a few Puerto Ricans. And in Mexican, there's a few Mexicans too. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Come on, let's go. Come on, y'all. I'm, 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 I'm trying. I'm going to drive it home, and you're going to leave. You're going to leave very, very different. You will, in Jesus' name, you're going to leave very different. Now listen to this, John, Romans 3, the Bible's true. There's none righteous, verse 10, none righteous. There isn't anybody righteous. Without Jesus, you're not righteous. And you're going to go to hell forever. Not one. Until you repent. And like the man in, in Luke, Father, Heavenly Father, God Almighty, like the girl, I'm a sinner. I'm immoral, I'm ungodly, it's not women's fault, it's not men's fault, it's nobody's fault, it's mine, I've rejected Jesus, and I want to come home, and I want to be born again. <laughs> Scooped her up out of hell. It's the only way. Go in all the world and preach the gospel. Don't preach nothing but the gospel. You have no other message. You reject Jesus? I don't care who you are. You're a heathen. If you accept him, get in here and grow in God. No, that's, that's, that's called grace because you, you heard her. She had issues. We have people in this room right now. We're not going to name any names. They still have issues. But you leave them alone because they have a heart. That's right. They have a lifestyle. Their life isn't perfect yet. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. They need the Word of God. They need the love of God. And they're growing in God. And, they're, and they are Christians. Boy, I'm There is none who understands. There's none who seeks God. They've everyone turned aside. All together become unprofitable. None who looks for there. It goes on and on and on in verse 18. There's, there's no fear before God before their eyes. That's a lost person. Those are the ones that you and I are going to start after tonight and even tonight praying for their soul. Because I like what she said. I wouldn't wish hell on my worst enemy. You will never do anything to me that will cause me to wish you went to hell. I got people who don't like me. I don't care. God likes me. Sometimes he's the only one who likes me. And sometimes that's all that I have. God, you love me. Thank you. You love me. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? My, listen, I don't do what I do because of you. I'm not in here to get a paycheck from you. You have got to be crazy. They're hiring pilots right now, left and right, for five times, ten times more than this church will ever pay me in the longest day I live. You just ain't find the money. You're a heathen from hell. You're crazy. Glory to God. But I have this thing in my heart that won't let me stop what I'm doing because you need the Word. 
I don't wake up on Sunday morning for me. I get nothing from my services. Sometimes I get a panini from the, from the bakery that Paul makes on good bread <laughs> and a cup of latte. That, those are good Sundays. No, I actually love you guys. I'm going to tell you something. I, there's people in this room, I love you. I've watched you grow. I've watched you overcome. I'm, and that's exciting to me. Well, we've had people that are troublemakers, and I pray you to go to another church. I call Doug, and I go, they're coming, they're coming. Some people you just can't help. They just can't. And God doesn't always answer my prayers, and I want you to know that. <laughs> he says, if, if, you, if you run them off, I'm going to send you more like them. And I'm like, well, I don't want that. All right, go to Ecclesiastes with me, please. Please, this is where I've been wanting to get all night. Oh, I got another one I'm going to read to y'all because I can't leave until I read it. Ecclesiastes 3. Verse 11, 311. You ready? He made everything beautiful in its time. He put eternity in your heart. You have eternity in you. You know that you know that you know you'll be somewhere forever. And you know you'd better start thinking about it. I don't, I want to do this, and the reason that I don't, I'm going to, but I, I don't want to. My passion, people go, were you angry? No. Well, you sure sounded angry. Well, I wasn't. No, kidding. <laughs> I want so much to teach you healthy reverence for God. And you need a fear, a reverence. Of uh, there are things that I don't do that I could do, but I know He's watching. And I don't. I don't do them. It, it, you can't make enough rules to keep a pastor down. And the government can't do it. But my heart. Because I'm going to stand before him. And I'm going to give an account of my life. So are you. Listen to this statement. He made everything beautiful in his time. He put eternity in your heart. Except no one can find out the work of God does from the beginning to the end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and do good in their lives. And that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor. It is the gift of God. Now I'm going to go back here and I'm going to read, I'm going to read what Ecclesiastes is about. Bear with me. The word Ecclesiastes is, is, is about vanity. The futile emptiness of trying to be happy apart from God. You can't do it. It's not possible to do it. The preacher, traditionally taken to be Solomon, wisest, richest, most influential king in Israel's history, 
looks at life under the sun and from human perspective declares it to be very empty. Power, popularity, prestige, pleasure. Nothing can fill the God-shaped void in a man's life but God. But once seen from God's perspective, life takes on meaning, purpose, causing Solomon to explain, eat, drink, and rejoice, and do good, live joyfully. Fear God, keep his commandments. Now li- listen, listen to me. Here's a man who's writing a book. He says in Ecclesiastes, I have had enough money to buy anything I've ever wanted. And I have, I planted fruit trees. I've had all the wives I want. I've, I've had the best of the food. He said, nothing that, I, that could be gained have I not been able to get it. He said, but I'm going to tell you, I am one empty man. He said, the thought that I'm going to, he said, in, in, in Ecclesiastes, he says this. Here I am, rich. Here I am, the king. And here I am, wise. And I've noticed the same junk that happens to the poor idiot happens to me. I'm no different. Stupid stuff happens to me too. I have bad days. He has bad days. He said, and after I've done all that I'm going to do, I'm going to die and somebody's going to take all of my wealth and I don't know what they're going to do with all that I've done. So that's the point. People have said Ecclesiastes is a book about a backslidden. He is not backslidden. He is looking at life from the point of living life without God. Then the whole conclusion. I'm going to read to you his conclusion. This is very exciting. It's very exciting. And you're going to get excited and I'm going to go 10 minutes longer. Um. Um, go to Ecclesiastes 12.1. Just go to 12.1 and just put it on there whether I told you to or not. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. My God, don't wait until you're 50. Well, I screwed those three marriages up. Stop now. Listen to me. If you do not have a life centered in Jesus, you do not have a life. You're a miserable human being. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how pretty you are. I don't care how how popular you are in school. I don't care what education. I don't care. Don't screw it up when you're a kid. Well, I'm going to sell my walnuts. That's a stupid. Barbara, help me. It's stupid. I'm going to get a little agreement going in here. I'm going to tell you this. I'm, I, I, I go to sleep at night, and I'm going to tell you why. Since the day I got born again, I have lived my whole life to please God. And I've been to hell and back. I've had people shaft me, do me wrong, steal, lie. And I just get on my face and go, I'm glad I'm saved. And I and and one time that preacher moved into a popcorn and came and said he's going to run my donkey out of town. And I went to God and I said, your son, you told me to do this. I'm doing what you told me to do. This is now your problem. I'm going to sleep. Y'all have no idea how nice it is to sleep at night. Now, if I'd done it perfect, oh, God, I wished I had. I wished I could tell you I did everything perfect. I never did anything perfect. But I've always had a very tender heart to obey God. Are you all out there? And and I'm driving at that with you tonight. God, 
What do you want to do with me? Because after, at the, when I die, I don't want to be looking back and go, I wish I'd have bought one more shotgun. I wish I'd have bought a bigger truck. I wish I'd have gone on one more island vacation. Not. I sure am glad I obeyed you. I sure am glad I tolerated you and Lisa and Barbara. I don't tolerate Barbara. Barbara's a sweetheart. This is a hard job. It, it, without the grace of God, you don't, want, you don't want to do this. But I don't want to get out of it for one reason. I want to obey God. I just, what do you want to do? What, how do you want me to do it? Are you all ready? I, I'm not done yet. Oh, my God, 812. What happened to all my time? It went just Someone preached it all away. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come, and they're coming. Your body will get older, right, Kenny? Kenny, it will get older. I don't care. You're going to use your faith all you want to, but it will get slower. You can tuck. Get a hair dryer and blow it on your belly and all you want to. That fat don't melt. It just... Boy, I'm a, I got Barbara going on here. That's good enough for me. Remember the difficult days come and your years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are not darkened, the clouds do not return after rain, and the days when the keeper of the house trembles and the strong men bow down, and the grinders cease because they're few, and those who look through the windows grow dim. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises at the sound of a bird, scares you out of your mind, and all the daughters of music are brought low. Also, they are afraid of height and terrors of the way and almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails and man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go in the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered in the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the well, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. It's all a bunch of vanity. Lived, and I did my best, and I did my best, and now I'm older, and I'm fixing to die. Every one of you are going to die. I don't, I don't care how much faith you got, you're going to die. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he's taught the people knowledge. He pondered and he sought and he set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words. What was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given to a shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. The making of many books, there is no end and much study is wearisome to your flesh. And hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is man's all. And God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, good or evil. All that he preached and all that he said sums up in one thing. Fear God. Fear God. That's your job. I got one more scripture if we got time. Ecclesiastes. T.L. Osborne said this scripture sent him around the world. Ecclesiastes 12, 6. No, not Ecclesiastes, Ezekiel. What is it, Ezekiel? Ezekiel 3. Be, be patient with me. 
I'm going to stir you up one way or the other. I really am. Let me get you as fired up as I can get you. Next week, I'll fire you up some more if you come back. If you don't backslide on me. And then I don't think I can handle one more week of that. I mean, I don't know what got into him. He must have been eating some tamales or something. I went to a restaurant the other day with Lisa, and I bit into a pepper. And I don't know why I didn't have enough sense to spit it out. Lisa, I was sitting there eating that pepper and thinking, stupid. Why didn't you just spit it out? You, the first time you bit it, you knew it was hot. And I'm sitting there chewing on the pepper, and I'm crying, and I'm hiccuping. And Lisa's going, are you okay? And I'm going, no. And then when I got done, I went, you could have taken it out of your mouth. And I'm thinking, that's what old age does. You just get dumber and dumber. I don't know how I got into all that. I, I did. Probably you, probably you, Mike. I was talking to Mike earlier, and Mike, Mike and I have a, I, I love to pick on people, and if I pick on you and you get offended, come tell me so I'll quit picking on you, because if you're touchy, and t- come to me and say, I'm touchy. He said, he said, he's not touchy, so. I've got to tell you, when I first married Lisa, I loved to pick on her. She would get riled up over nothing. And she don't rile no more. She's just, I say something, she goes. And I mean, like, I can't even get her riled up. Verse 16. It'll come to pass at this end of seven days that the word of the Lord came and said, Son of man, I made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, I hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. And when I say to the wicked, you will die, and you give him no warning, and you speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, you save his life, and that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, his blood I will require it at your hand. This is not a time for you to compromise truth. God is requiring the people that you know, pray for them and say, God, give me an opportunity to talk to them. And fear God. I'm not talking about you being mean, and I am talking about you being honest and being the kind of a person. I was praying with a man this week who doesn't go to this church, and he's a devout, strong Baptist. And he called me on the phone and said, I'm going to the hospital. They think I have cancer. And, all that, all that, all that. He, and, and I'm thinking, why is he calling me? I prayed. And he came back and he called me weeping and said, they didn't find it. It's gone. He said, thank you so much. And he said, he said, the Lord's will be done. I said, stop. I, I understand we're friends. Don't you ever accuse God in front of me. He said, he said, okay, sir. I'll put up with your Baptist mess. I don't want to hear any more God, whatever God wants out of you. I said, you know better than that, and you ought to know better than that. So I prayed for him, told him I loved him, chewed him out. (laughs) Kindly. I was kind. There's another denominational preacher in town. We're having a meeting one day, and the Lord said, walk up and give him a word. I went, okay. 
I've started prophesying, he bowed his head and listened to it. And he ain't Pentecostal. But I obeyed God. Don't compromise. Let's finish reading this. Are y'all ready? I got a story I want to tell you. And I don't care what time it is. I don't care what time it is. Your kids aren't in school, I don't think. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he'll die. Because you didn't give him warning, he'll die in his sin. And his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. And his blood I'll require at your hand. It's not okay to turn away from God. I can give you scripture after scripture to prove to you there's no such thing as eternal security. I'm not talking about when you miss it, boom, you're going to hell. I don't mean that. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man and the righteous man turns, should not sin and does not sin, he'll live because he took warning and you delivered your soul. I want to tell you one more story, and I've told many times before, but I'm going to tell it to you again. There was a, there was a young man when I first got born again, and his name was TJ. Now, the funny thing about TJ, TJ was cross-sided. And TJ would always, and I would always look at him and go, which eye are you looking at me at? You know, and, and, and I didn't like him. He, he was mean. He was mean. I mean, I, I'd, I'd say something to him and he'd bite my head off. And I prayed for him. God, get him out of here. Get him another job. I don't like this guy. Get him out of here. Now, that's been nice. I used to be shy. I know y'all look at me like, you're a liar. No, I'm not either. Holy Ghost will change you. Now, TJ, TJ, I prayed for God to remove him from working with me. Because every time I met him, he had a bad attitude. And the Lord said, well, if you knew what, he, what it was like for him growing up, you wouldn't, well, you wouldn't act that way. And I said, what told me the story that his parents abandoned him when he was a kid sent him to his aunt he never had a bedroom in his life slept on the couch no one loved him no one cared about him he was always the kid out not all the kids in the house were treated well not him never knew love at all well there's more to the story than that but he grew up up in Jersey, Joyzy, in the Bronx, wherever that is. And he grew up with a chip on his shoulder. And he comes down here with a chip on his shoulder. And he's riding around on a Harley Sportster in a long sleeve shirt, and it's below freezing. How stupid can you get? Until the Lord said, did you notice he doesn't have a coat? I said, I've noticed he doesn't have a coat. How dumb can you get? He said he doesn't own one. You have two. I want you to go home and get one out of your closet, and I want you to give it to TJ. I went, okay. And now I'm starting to feel for him. I walked up, and I handed him the jacket, and he said, I don't want your charity, honky. And I looked at him, and I said, TJ, I owe you an apology. I don't like you. He said, I don't like you either. I said, I didn't know about your childhood. And he looked at me and said, my childhood is none of your blankety-blank business. Now, you understand, it's a mean guy. But so much compassion came up inside my soul. I said, I'm going to tell you something. 
I learned about you from God. Now, everybody knows I'm a Christian. I said, God talked to me about you, TJ. He told me about your aunt. He told me about how you were raised. He told me you don't have any friends. I said, you have one now. I love you. I looked at this young man, and tears are running down his face, and they're freezing on his cheeks. We're outside on a truck lot loading trucks. It's below freezing. He took the coat, put it on. And I prayed for him. I don't know if I ever led him to the Lord. I walked away that day and said, please forgive me for my attitude. I'm a Christian. You've had mercy on me, God. I was very much like TJ when you found me. And I've developed an attitude like the, like the self-righteous. I said, I'll never do it again. Those are things that have changed me. God has put me places with people that are not friendly. But I'm telling you this, almost everywhere I've ever worked, God gave me a supernatural love for them as people. And I'll tell you why. Because I came out of the world. God had mercy on me. I, was, I would have been in hell or eternally in prison right now had it not been for the Lord. And that creates a compassion in me for people. Now, I don't agree with wrong living, but I love you. I love people. My concern right now when I watch the church, number one, the youth live like <laughs> it don't matter how you live. That's a concern. But the next thing is there's not enough of you walking out of here and walking into work and going, Father, I'm going to pray for the people I work with. Roger and Renee, who left, left last Wednesday night, went home, went next door, and led their neighbor to the Lord. And Sunday, they walked in here and introduced me to their neighbor that they led to the Lord, said, we listened to your sermon. We went home, we prayed for our neighbor, we went over, and, le- and they got born again. And they went out there, and they shook my hand and said, thank you for sending Roger to us. We are now born again. Let's times that about 100. Let's just, are y'all out there? Do the home. If all of y'all went to heaven, I went to hell, I would not like it. I would not be in hell going, well, they all made it, but me, I'm so happy. I'm glad I'm saved. But I will never turn this into a, thank God, I'm saved. Now, I understand not everybody's going to listen to you. If they're not, pray for them. And then you ask God, open doors for me. And I want to say this. Once you get someone born again, it gets addictive. <laughs> Watching a person go from a sinner to a saint in front of your eyes, there is nothing on this planet like it talking to someone today I was actually this couple back here there's a cardiologist in South Florida he's a born again Christian he's raised two people from the dead who died on the operating table he said I have many people who come into my practice and I treat them I'm their doctor but I never leave that I don't share Jesus with them and pray for them. And I've had many of them get instantly healed of their heart trouble, and they, they, don't, they don't come back. He said, I, I've had people get healed in my office. That's a Christian doctor. 
I don't know what you're doing for a living, but be a Christian, whatever it is. I know that I'm going to ask you this dumb question. Was this too strong? I don't care. I'm concerned about the world. I don't have an audience with a million people, but I have an audience with you. I believe every one of you are capable of, of the people you're with. That they're good people. They're no, they may not be born again. I want you to start praying for them. And when they get born again, encourage them to come to church. It's a burden. They're going to wreck your fluffy life. Let them wreck your fluffy life. I don't mean take all their problems on you. I don't mean that. Don't, get, don't let them pour their trash on you. But you love them enough to give them the Word of God. Are you all ready? I want to pray. I want you to do this. Right now, get someone in your mind that needs to be born again. Father God, as, we, as I close this service late tonight, as usual, I pray over the people like TJ. I pray over the people like Jan. I, I know that right here in this room that every one of us in this room have people that are around us, and we know they're not saved. We know. I'm asking that you give them the words right now and a heart, such a heart for those people that you love them and, and you died for them. Open up a door for them to share the Word of God. They, they need truth and they need enough love. They, they, need it, they need it shared in love. And I'm asking for that to happen here tonight. Every one of them that are praying right now and calling out names to you in Jesus' name, I agree with them. Come out of darkness to light, Satan. Get your hands off of them. Say this, Satan, get your hands off of them. You're not going to hinder them from coming to Jesus. Father God, draw them to yourself. Now open up a door for me to share with them. If not me, someone in Jesus' name. You got kids. I know they've told you they don't want to hear you preach. Don't preach at them. Love on them. But there are times you have to open a Bible and say, sweetheart, this won't turn good. There's a book out called 23 Minutes in Hell. Kevin McNulty said to me one day, he says, every time I come home from the mission field, I read it because I'm so tired. I don't ever want to go back. And I read that book and I get on my knees and I say, God, I'll go again. There's nothing wrong with you learn a little bit about hell. Nothing wrong with you talking about it sometimes too. It's a real place. Praise God. Is y'all all right? Turn to your neighbor and see if they're saved. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Y'all get out of here and have a good night. God bless all of you. Thank you for coming to church. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. 
we also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.